I wanted us to, to continue what, what we began last Sunday night as we talked about this idea of being uncomfortable. Uh, you, you remember what we talked about. I will share, Thomas Robinson told me, uh, he's at Moultrie tonight, and he said, Wes, you can preach as long as you want tonight. Of course, he's not here, so maybe we'll go short and we'll show him, right? Maybe not, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, but last Sunday night, we talked about this idea of being uncomfortable. And one of the problems that we have in the world, but, but even maybe I might say especially in the church, is, is this idea that to follow Christ should be something we are completely comfortable with. That, that it's never going to push us, that it's never going to provoke us, that, that, that it's and ultimately never going to change us. Well, that's foolish. That's foolish because we're, we're people who are being called to be transformed into the image of Christ. And, and that's going to take some discomfort because I don't look like Christ completely today. I don't and you don't and no one does. And so there's some work to be done. Some of that work is difficult, and ultimately that's why a lot of times we don't engage in that work, because it would make us uncomfortable. Well, I, I want to contend that there are some things that might make us uncomfortable, but they are things that we must, we must learn to embrace in our life if we're going to grow in our faith. Now, now you, you might be able to add to this list. I told you last week that, that, this, list, that this, this lesson really came from a, um, a lesson that I gave down at the Men's Day at, at Lake City at Standing in the Gap. And I've kind of taken that lesson and divided it into two. And um, so, so some of these things we're thinking about, uh, uh, they apply heavily to men and being willing to be uncomfortable. But as I went through the list, they really apply to all of us. Here's something that makes us uncomfortable that we would do well to embrace. How about, how about confession? How about confession? Can you remember the last time that you confessed? I, I'm convinced that, there, that, there are, that sometimes when people talk about confession and they think, well, well, you know, Romans 10.10, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And they think that, well, the last time that I confessed was on the day that I was baptized into Christ. And that, listen, that... That might be a year ago. It might be 50 years ago. And now while certainly confession is something that we do when we come to Christ, listen, confession, not only of who we believe Jesus is, but also of our own sin, is to be a regular part of the Christian life. I know there are people that have abused the idea of confession and the people that have abused the idea and taught falsely that men uh, are, are the ones that need to be confessed to in order to have the forgiveness of one's sins. But yet, but yet, in spite of the false teaching, there's a very true teaching that we are to be people that are willing to confess our sins. James said in James, in James chapter 5, in verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous man has great power, or it availeth much. You might be more used to hearing there. It really makes a difference. We, we talk about that all the time, don't we? The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Do, do, do you believe that? Well, of course you do. That's why we pray. 
But in that very same context, he says, what you're supposed to be praying about are the sins that you have confessed to one another. So, so I, I'm, to, I'm to live this lifestyle where I'm not ashamed, I'm not, I'm not celebrating it, I'm not wallowing in it, that would be wrong, but I'm not afraid to stand before you and tell you that I have sin in my life, that I struggle with my faith, that I stumble and there are times that, I, that, that, that the light is not present within me. That's a bad thing. I don't like that about myself, but I need your help. I need the Lord's help. Instead of trying to act like, well, I wouldn't know what sin is if, if I saw it. Sometimes people in the church try to act that way. Don't they? Don't we? But we all know better. We all know better. We know something about sin in this room. Don't we? Of course we do. We're human beings. That's why we need Jesus. And I didn't just need Jesus in the past, I didn't just need Jesus 25 years ago. I need Jesus today. I need his sacrifice today. So he says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Now, why don't we do that? Well, it makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? I mean, just to be quite honest, why we don't confess to one another, why we don't confess our sins, I would much rather tell you about the things I'm doing well. And then you would, you would have this very positive picture of me, but if, you, if I tell you the things I'm not doing well, then you may have a negative picture of me. And, and then if I confess my sins, then there's this danger of what, what, what are you going to do with it? I had a brother who I was sharing some, some things with once, and he advised me that I should never share those things with, with anybody in the body. And I thought, oh, oh, okay. I was a young guy. And he said, you should never share those things because they might use them against you. Okay. About two years later, that man stood up in front of a whole church and started telling everybody the stuff I'd told him against me. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> that's why he said that, right? But, but you know what? That's not my problem. That's his problem. That's not my problem. That's his problem. That we, we, I mean, there's no, we confess our sins to one another. How, how many of us, how many of us struggle with our temper? I was thinking about men, right? How many men struggle with their temper? How, how many people struggle with, with lustful thoughts? How many people struggle with having proper priorities in their life? Prioritizing their family? How many people struggle? Well, pretty much everybody. He says, I want you to confess that to one another. Because, because if I don't, if I don't, then I have, the, the, then I have Joe Christian over here who's, who's looking at everybody else saying, I don't know what's wrong with me because all these people, all these people have it figured out. And I'm over here and I'm, I'm struggling and I, I can't do this, but I'm looking at everybody else and it looks like they don't have the same problems. There must be something wrong with me. Well, no. No, there's nothing wrong with you. Everybody has those things. Sometimes people will come. This is totally honest to the truth. I am, as the preacher, I tend to know things. People tell me things that they probably don't tell everybody else. But people will, will come and, and they will really say that the, one of the reasons that, that they cannot confess their sins is because they're worried about what everyone else will think of them. Because they believe that everybody else doesn't have those problems. 
And sometimes I'm sitting there thinking, I just really wish I could tell you. I mean, I really wish I could tell you what I know. Just go down the list, right? We could start in the A's and, and he'd probably spend a heavy time in the H's and just all the way through. Let me tell you about what's going on. Just, I mean, what I know about it, I don't know everything. You don't know everything, but you know enough. He says we ought to confess our sins. Even if, even if it makes us uncomfortable. It's really about an open, an open lifestyle. If you're not comfortable confessing your sins, maybe to, maybe to learn to invite inside of others into your life would be a good place to start. It's going to help you build relationship here, right? That, that, that sometimes, I won't do this with everyone, wouldn't confess my sins to everyone, don't trust everyone, just being honest with you about that. But, but with, with the right people, with people that you love and that you have trust in, ask them this question, um, what, what do you see in my life that I'm missing? What do you see that I'm not seeing? It, it'd be an interesting, interesting conversation. But it gets you used to having that conversation with someone else talking about your life and open that door to, to say, well, well, let me tell you where I'm struggling because I am struggling. That's your homework, I guess, for this week. You, you, find, some, you find someone, you find some place that, that you can confess your sins to. Make yourself uncomfortable. So sometimes it makes us uncomfortable in areas of personal holiness. We're just talking about our Christian walk. The, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, Search me, O God. Tr- know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. I heard a paraphrase of that once that basically said, said, Lord, I want you to look at my life, and if you see anything that's wrong, I hope that you'll let me know about it. I thought that's pretty, pretty good. That's, that's, hard. that's a hard thing to say, isn't it? That's a hard thing to say because sometimes we don't want to hear those things. But we need to hear those things because we need to grow in our faith. Can I tell you what we are comfortable with? Most of us are very comfortable at analyzing and critiquing others spiritual lives aren't we if you would like for me to critique your spiritual life i've got an opening tomorrow about one o'clock we can we can work a matter of fact i could probably get five or six people to come and 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 look into your life but to look at our own life that's something completely different paul said to the to the jewish to the jewish christians in romans 2 In Romans 2 and verse 19, he said, You are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. Aren't those great descriptions of what a Christian is? I mean, I think they're they're pretty good descriptions, right? Guide to the blind. Light to those in darkness, instructor of the foolish, teacher of babes. We have the truth in the law. We have those things. Okay, so he says, you get that. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? He just just flips it on them. It's so easy for me me to say, well, the world needs this and the world needs that. And they're they're all very true statements, right? 
But there's this need that's going to make me uncomfortable to say, okay, but what about Wes? It's so easy for me to say, I hope so-and-so was listening to that sermon this morning because they really needed to hear it. Do you all ever think that? I do, right? I hope they were listening. Shame they weren't here this morning. Yeah, but, but do I say, what, is, what about me? What about me? How's your prayer life? How's my prayer life? We all know that we ought to pray. We all want, we all want to pray. We all know prayer is a good thing. How's our prayer life? How much are we praying outside of the dinner table, outside of the worship services? How are we at bearing our soul before the Lord? I don't know the answer. You've you got to answer that question. How about our sacrificial giving? I don't know who gives what, but not everybody gives sacrificially. Even though we have a great, a great offering, I mean, uh, we're, not at, we're not at a 10% level for, for um, if we were just average in our, in our community, even though we're doing great. Right? Many people are giving sacrificially, many are not. Do we ask that question? How about, how about my, my reading of God's Word? How about the time that I'm spending in the Word of God? The, the, we, I, had this, I had this as we talked about spiritual disciplines with the teen class of trying to help them to develop a daily Bible reading habit. Can I tell you, most of them don't have a daily Bible reading habit. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to rat them out. I'm trying to use them as an example of, uh, do you know who they, who they probably look like? Most of the adults, right? I'm just, I mean, I just know that. I don't, I'm not naming names on that kind of stuff. Well, why not? That just kind of makes us uncomfortable. Okay, we, we, we need to be made uncomfortable in those things. We need to make ourselves uncomfortable. Why? So that we will grow in our faith. We, we, we could think about some other things. I, 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 thought, about, I thought about raising our children. You know, th- th- this is one of the hardest things I've ever done. It really is. And I'm just about ready. Um, two more years, I think, and I'm going to be ready to preach a sermon on raising children. Not dumb enough to preach it right now. Okay? But, but I, I can share some personal observations right now that this is hard. Yet the Bible tells me that I have a responsibility, a privilege, a, a role to not provoke my children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And there are a lot of people that just aren't doing it. A lot of people that claim to love the Lord that give no spiritual guidance in their, in their family. They give financial support. They make sure that they're supported socially. They make sure they have transportation. They, they, they touch every element of their life, but not when it comes to knowing the Lord. Why? Because that's hard. That's uncomfortable. Right? That's uncomfortable. We, we got to talk. We got to. Okay. So if you've, if you've got a teenager and you haven't taught. Let's make this easier. If you've got a teenage son and you haven't talked to that teenage son about the subject of lust. Is it because that teenage son isn't struggling with the subject of lust? Is it? Well, you know this not. Why, why are we not having these conversations? Because I don't want to talk to nobody about that, let alone my teenage son. But I have to. And I promise, you know, it makes me just as uncomfortable as it makes you. I'm not sure. My son might have been more uncomfortable than me in that conversation. But, 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 but it didn't take much, right? So when we raise children, th- th- there, are these, there are these things where we, we have to. 
We have to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I don't want my children to look like me. That would be a mistake. I want them to look like Jesus. There's enough of West to go around, okay? I've messed enough up. I, I, I don't want that. I don't need that. The world doesn't need, it, need that. But if I don't teach them, if I don't discipline them, listen, you know what's going to happen. All of us have dealt with adults who weren't disciplined as children, haven't we? That's not pleasant. And I'm not saying that's a guarantee that you do this and your kids are going to turn out this way. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if you don't do this, if you don't do this, I can give you a 99% chance of what they're going to look like. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't enjoy disciplining my children. It is unpleasant. But also, I don't want to raise some punk brat that doesn't know the Lord. There are going to be times when they would rather go to the game. They would rather watch the television show. They would rather do anything else because they're kids. That's when a parent has to step in and say, okay, this is what we're doing. And um, once again, I'm not going to get into whatever, what perfect is because I don't know it, but I know we better be working at this. I also know that sometimes it doesn't happen because it's uncomfortable, because this makes me uncomfortable with my own family. When it comes to the subject of entertainment, I'm just going to talk about the principle. You make some application. But we've got far too many, far too many homes, far too many homes that we're just entertaining ourselves with what everybody else entertains themselves with. Why? Well, because it makes us uncomfortable to have, to have the conversation. Uh, we don't watch movies like that. We need to turn this off. This is inappropriate. This is ungodly. Paul, in Romans chapter 1, when he gives this long list of what a godless society looks like, he comes to the end and he says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Well, I don't know much more way to give approval than to entertain ourselves with those things, right? To pay $15 to look at those things or watch those things. We, we, we need to get outside that, that boat of comfort. Be willing to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we do this or we don't do that. We will serve the Lord. All the way down to your favorite television show. This, is that personal enough for us? Right? And I'm, I mean, hey, there are, there are filters. There, there are ways around things. I, I, all that I totally believe in. I use those things. But I want us to understand that there's a reason, there's a reason that we need those things. If you're... If you're listening to the radio and you don't find yourself constantly and consistently changing the channel, either you are completely oblivious or you're just not trying. Because I'm going to tell you, it's ungodly, vile things like every other song on, on the radio. That's the truth, okay? So, I, I, so as I'm bebopping my... Let me tell you the first time I experienced this, okay? Um, I like country music, and I remember I was sitting at a traffic light and I was singing at the top of my lungs, um, uh, long neck bottles and no-tell motels are for people like us. And I caught myself singing this at the top of my voice, and I thought, I don't know anything about either one of those things besides, I, 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 why would I sing that? Right? Jamie, you're having trouble figuring, I mean, but I was, I mean, you know, it was probably a pretty tune, too. 
But we just embrace those things. We just embrace those things. So, so we've, we've got to make some uncomfortable choices that are, we're going to have to step outside of the world to say, ah, we don't do those things. Because those things are ungodly, and I, I don't want to give approval to those things. Well, I'll give you one more, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll consider this lesson. I hope you can add to this list of things that God's calling us to do that they might make us uncomfortable, but they would make us more Christ-like. Service. Jesus washed feet. Anybody want to wash feet? No, we don't wash feet. They didn't wash feet because nobody wants that job, right? Everybody's trying not to get that job. Paul wrote about the mind of Christ when he told us to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility to count others more significant or important than ourselves. I think that's one of the ways that we grow to look like Christ is to learn to serve. So when you don't want to do something, guys, are, are, there, ever, are there opportunities to serve that you don't want? Like, oh, I don't want to do this. Are there? Shake your head up and down, or I'm about to call you and give you a list because you can't wait to do it. Okay? Of course there are. I, I, don't, I don't want those jobs. But when I intentionally invite those things into my life, it's for a reason. It's for a reason to one to remind myself of who my Savior is. And if He's not too good for these things, I'm not too good for these things. To make a statement. To make a statement to those around that I don't think I'm better than you. That's why Jesus washed feet. See, and His disciples, they, they struggle with this. Because we live in this world, we live in this world where we we think people are elevated for good things. Jesus says, no, 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 we're going to turn this on its head, and whoever wants to be the greatest shall become a servant. Don't always look for the position to be in charge. Look for the position to be the peon. You find the lowliest position and say, I'll do that. And if you're waiting, if you're waiting for your gut to say, Cannot wait to do that. You're probably never going to do it. I don't believe for a second that Jesus was like, tonight I am washing some feet. I don't think he was. Okay? I don't think he was. I think he did that very much on purpose and intentionally to make a point. Find some way to serve. And if you're looking around and say, I just don't know how to serve, you come see me. I will, I will find you a way to serve. There are many, many things to do both here and abroad. Ways to serve physically, emotionally. There are lots of jobs that nobody wants, but that are needed in this world. You come see me and I'll help you, I'll help you find that place. Where we learn to be uncomfortable. Because being uncomfortable can be good for us spiritually. Sometimes people don't respond to the, to the invitation. Makes them uncomfortable. Makes me uncomfortable to humble myself. Makes me uncomfortable to, to admit that I need some, something or someone beyond myself. That's probably natural. I'm not the best at admitting I need help. But here's what I already know about you. You do need help. You do need help. You are lost. Some of you in this room are lost without Christ. I know it's uncomfortable to say. It's uncomfortable to, to hear. 
but we become comfortable with being uncomfortable so that we can grow in our faith. Friends, if you have a need tonight, I don't know, maybe it's easy for you, probably not, or you would have already done it. Maybe it's hard for you. But whatever the case, you run to the Lord, and He will run to you. You come tonight as we stand and as we sing.